0: You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace.
1: This is Annie Grace and welcome to This Naked Mind cast. and I'm here with Dr. Ginny. Hi, Ginny. How are you?
0: I'm really well, Annie. It's great to see your smiling face.
1: Yeah, it's great to see you too. So why don't you take us back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol and, and let me know where it all started for you. Oh, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I I knew in college I was drinking too much. Really, in high school, I knew I had at least one really bad, scary experience from drinking. So there was on and off my whole adult life that I was questioning, but thinking, oh, I'm not like those people who drink every day. And then when I was drinking every day, but I'm not like those people who are under a bridge, you know, drinking out of a bag. I always had this, look, those people are in trouble, but I'm really not but I always questioned my relationship with alcohol really from my teens a little bit. Yeah, but, but, really, but really thinking like, oh no, I'm sophisticated the way I drink, right? I'm pairing wine with food and, you know, just really thought of myself in this special category, which I think most of us do. I'm not in that category of people who has to worry about it. We start researching, am I an alcoholic? Ah, Right. And I love how you talk about that. I was so glad to finally find
1: Annie Grace. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. So when you were when you were a teenager, what did that look like?
0: Um, I just I don't I don't know, except that I lived in a really small town and our idea of fun was to drive around and go drinking and in parking lots and in fields and stuff. So I remember drinking Boone's Farm ugh, and I remember liking beer and I just ended up with some uh, sexual experiences, I really didn't want to be there for. And ended up, t- I remember telling a friend, so so and so raped me last night. And I knew if I talked to him, he's not going to think that was rape. And we did talk about it. And it was, it's just sort of where things started with maybe this isn't a great idea.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it really wasn't till my mid 50s that I found a way
1: out. So, so was- what, was- what did the time look like in between there?
0: uh college was a lot of binge drinking right and but keeping it to the weekends and then it was one six pack a weekend and then it was two six packs a weekend and i don't know when it happened that i started drinking every night because that was one of my things i was never going to cross one of my thresholds and but i did cross it at some point where i was having pretty much a bottle of wine every night and then often something in addition to that Um, and I would watch myself and go that something's wrong here. Nah, Just don't look at it. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. So, so you went to college, what happened then?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Then I went to grad school and so it was still, I do remember a wine tasting party. I went to where other people knew what to do, like, don't drink everything. You know, like spit it out or something and I didn't know that, so I ended up in the bathroom throwing up really embarrassed like what is wrong with me why can't I do this like. Everyone else seems to be able to do it, which now that I think of it is so so our experience when it comes to drinking it looks like everyone else is doing fine and we're questioning ourselves and thinking well, they look like they're fine right, so we. We don't want to question I think we have a lot of reasons to not question it too much, especially when we start trying to cut back and we have terrible experiences with that. I wasn't going to drink tonight, but now i'm drinking doesn't matter. I started feeling so out of integrity with myself that makes me want to cry, it was just really painful feeling like what is wrong with me, how come everyone else can do this and I am struggling. What if people knew how much I'm struggling? I'm a licensed psychologist, right? What's going to happen to me if this becomes apparent to other people? It's it's upsetting. You
1: you had to hide it? Yeah, I did.
0: I did feel like I was hiding it. I got so, you know, it seemed like something to do for social reasons for a long time. And then I, I noticed I was mostly just drinking at home alone. And I had these wonderful friends in my life I was really neglecting because it was time to go home and start drinking right I might go out to dinner with them and have a couple of glasses of wine but I gotta go because I need some more wine now and I can't drive after that I just didn't quite see how I had shifted into I'm really drinking alone a lot and I'm spending a lot of my time and money looking for the next drink
1: yeah yeah I can I can relate to that for sure yeah so yeah. when did you start to get serious about changing something?
0: Yeah, I. you might have heard me talk about this wake up call moment I had in between positions when I was shifting to doing my own business. I worked in nursing homes for a while and it was a shock. I thought people in there were going to be in their 80s and 90s. Very different from me, right? They're totally different category of people and when i got there they were in their 60s and 70s they were like 5 to 10 years older than me and they weren't that different from me and that was really scary like by that point i had i was having a lot of hot flashes i was having a lot of insomnia i was having so much pain and inflammation like in my feet that i could barely walk anymore so i had this vision in my 80s i'm going to still be youthful and hiking in the mountains and Already in my mid fifties, I couldn't hike in the mountains. I could barely go for a walk in the park anymore. I was 60 pounds overweight and I was just totally consumed with seeking like special food and drink every night. Special, special, it's all gotta be so special. And it was just really taking my health in ways I wasn't quite acknowledging. Uh, But I have to say, when I thought about, I gotta change this, I was so scared. I don't know how to quit drinking. I've tried 6,000 times, probably like, I'm just not going to drink tonight. Well, yes, I am. Right. And, and so it was really scary. Like, oh, I'm just going to prove myself a failure again and end up drinking more. Every time I tried to quit drinking, I would eat tons of sugar and then go back to drinking anyway. So I felt like every time I try, I just make it worse. So I was really, really scared. I was feeling super out of integrity with who I was. I'm just not someone who can get things done anymore is how I felt.
1: And when you were, you know, noticing, like, did you trace some of these things to alcohol at that time? Or was it? Oh, totally. Yeah,
0: it was my eating and my drinking both. And that's part of what I found when I started working in the nursing homes is these people are in here in their 60s and 70s. With diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease and stroke and dementia and when I research these things, they are tied to our eating and our drinking more than anything. And you kind of know this about me, but those two things are the same thing to me eating and drinking are just part of the same problem for me. Mm -hmm. Like the things that I was the most excited to eat and drink were the most toxic most addictive things and everything else seemed boring. Like, life is now going to be boring if I have to cut these things out. I'm going to be sad and depressed and alone.
1: Mm. And when you were saying, like, every night had to be, like, special food, you you mean, like, indulgent sort of? Yes. Special?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was... I mean, now I think of that as a dopamine hit thing, like I was just looking for almost some unattainable specialness. I remember I would I would plan on like I'm gonna have bread, I'm gonna have cheese, I'm gonna have chocolate, I'm gonna have wine, and then I would get to what should be the end of that meal and I would feel like I think just a little something salty now. And I, I, I'm i not quite there yet. I think just a little more wine. And now I think just a little more chocolate. And I could kind of observe this weird behavior of I can't quite get to the specialness that I'm trying to get to. Mm. And that was seeming disordered to me. Like, like I just keep eating and drinking and eating and drinking and eating and drinking and I can't find an end. Like maybe this search for specialness is not serving me. Right. So it's, it's so
1: interesting. And do you, did you trace this back to like a, you know, childhood sort of indulgence or need for indulgence or just? I mean, at the time, I
0: didn't really. What I do remember now is that every time I had allowance money, I would walk to the candy store. There was a homemade candy store. And it was really special candy. And it felt very, very exciting there there's a lot of things from childhood where food and drink and specialness and love all get mixed together right
1: yeah so. i think that's true for so many of us i mean even yeah. you know even to the point where i mean it happens all the time and it it just seems so normal and i don't even know mm-hmm. that there's anything really wrong with it but like candy is used as like a behavior treat you know or going yeah. out for ice cream is It just all tied in celebrations, all that sort of stuff.
0: Yep. I remember celebrations with the family. Also popcorn. I had a real addictive reaction to popcorn. I would go to the movies just to buy that giant thing of popcorn. And I knew I was eating too much. I would go and get the refill. And when I thought, well, why do I have such an emotional attachment? It did go back to childhood. Now I sort of feel like that doesn't matter though. It doesn't matter where it came from. What really got important is knowing you don't have to do this right you don't have to be eating and drinking this way to have a, a fulfilling life and, in fact, eating and drinking this way seemed to be getting in the way. of mm-hmm. leading a fulfilling life and feeling good about myself and once I was able to recognize all that it, I have to say the part about finding you because. Um, I knew I needed to change my eating. I was starting to research that. What does the research tell me about how to eat? But I did not know how to quit drinking and I was super scared. I heard you on the radio, on Colorado Public Radio talking about your book and I pulled over and I wrote down your name and I wrote down this naked mind. And I, uh, it makes me wanna cry because as you know, uh, I feel like it just saved my life. I wasn't going to get anywhere with my eating and turning my health around until I figured out the drinking piece. And I knew I wasn't going to go to AA. I would rather go. I'd rather die than go to AA. That's just where I was. So finding somebody who spoke about it in such an empowering way, like you did, was so important to me. It was life changing. And mm-hmm. as you know, then I started pestering you about, okay, you changed my life. Now when you start training coaches, I want to be one. I want to be one of your first coaches. And I yep. was able to do that. And I'm so glad.
1: Yeah, it's just awesome. That's just awesome. So let's back up just a little bit. When you okay. said yeah. you said that you would started to come to this realization that this, you know, this special like food and drink was not necessary. How did yeah. how did that start to come about?
0: I think as I started studying the evidence base about what actually is good to eat and drink, um, I, start, I was arguing with it, like I thought I knew better than what the research said. And my, re, my training as a scientist was just go look at the research again, quit arguing with it. And so I just started changing my whole perspective. What if I quit arguing with what's actually good for my body and just actually try to learn what my body needs? In the area of drinking the super clear piece is we need water, we need to drink and it needs to be water and. We have come to this idea that it needs to be special it needs to be alcohol or it needs to be sweetened otherwise it's not worth drinking how many people will say to you, I don't like water. And (laughs) I thought you know that is really kind of sick, because we actually need water, even more than we need food so as i started to have those insights i started just really trying to embrace what if you just take responsibility to learn what's good for your body to eat and drink and see if you can find a way to fall in love with those things your body actually needs because i could barely walk anymore right like it wasn't going to go well if i didn't figure this out
1: so you were you were highly motivated and you took a, a path of of research and then just kind of experimentation to sort of say, what what might this be like? And, and what, did you, what did you find?
0: Yeah, I found that I could absolutely fall in love with and crave the good foods. It's not exactly the same kind of craving as craving alcohol and bad things, but you can absolutely fall in love with and thoroughly enjoy things that are good for your body. And that's what I wanted and that's what I do. It's not hard once you feel that way, right?
1: That's really cool. And so what are some of the ways in which like that's possible for someone? Mm.
0: Well, like find the things that are whole real good foods that, you know, without a doubt, this is good for me and find the ways to prepare them that you thoroughly enjoy and start eating them in abundance is what I discovered. Like you, we need to eat and the people that I meet need to eat anywhere from four to 10 times the amount of nutritious foods we're eating. We have been slowly replacing nutritious foods with non-nutritious, highly processed food-like substances in our society. And it really is affecting our health so that most of us now can expect our last 10 years to be sick and taking more and more medications, like with high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, etc. And I, if you don't want that, none of us wants that, it doesn't have to be that hard to change that. People think it's gonna be hard because they think they gotta uh they gotta eat less I gotta eat less and less and less and that's just not what I found in the research
1: oh that's really cool so it isn't about actually eating less or any deprivation it's just about eating abundantly the things that are actually good for you in a way that um really cool
0: and making it habitual so that you so it becomes kind of effortless so I knew that from years of practice as a psychologist is new habits can become effortless once they become really habitual right? It's not hard. It feels hard at first to change your habits because you're so attached to
1: your habits. That's really cool. And so, so then, so you, you were starting to find your way to the food and then, um, but you didn't know about drinking that felt like, because obviously you can't just, I mean, I guess you could just drink way more water in abundance, but it sounds, <laughs> it didn't feel like
0: it was going to be that easy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Right.
0: Yeah, it really helped me to like, uh, in your approach, it's so uh, consistent with the approaches that I learned as a psychologist, right? To change your mind, change your perspective, change how you feel about this thing you feel really attached to. Um, it just really helped me kind of go through the process of getting over being scared of letting go.
1: Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. I'm so glad. It's yeah. really glad. I know. Yeah. How was it for you? Did you find it pretty easy ultimately to stop drinking or was it? um... (laughs) Six
0: years later, it feels like it was pretty easy. But that first year, I know it was hard because I was journaling and I, especially the early months, I was crying a lot in the morning, feeling like I don't know if I can do this. Am I going to let myself down again? Yeah, it's, I remember there were hard times. I remember the times that I, I went ahead and drank when I wasn't drinking and then felt like a bit of a failure. But I think because of um, going through this naked mind, I was kind of ready for that too. I was ready for those challenging moments and those moments where I slipped. And what am I gonna do now? I I think one of the greatest things I learned from you is you have to do this with a lot of self-compassion and self-love Otherwise, you kind of keep yourself from being able to move forward. And that was really a process for me that you that you helped with.
1: And, and what did that look like for you?
0: Um, catching myself. It, it was a lot of catching myself, beating myself up and then thinking, okay, let's just go read another chapter in Annie's book. Let's just look at, you know, how do I get more compassionate with myself? I knew. As a psychologist, yeah, yelling at myself is not actually helping, but it was such a habit. So interrupting myself in this area, it just really helped to have this naked mind to keep going back to every day. I really, I don't know, I encourage people to check out this naked mind. It just doesn't have to be as hard as you think when you have the right guidance and support.
1: That's really cool. And how was it for you, sort of socially, as you start stopped drinking? Mm.
0: Yeah, I was, I remember being really scared. I have this one wonderful, beautiful best friend. We used to go out all the time and have dinner and drinks and laugh. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to have laughter with my friend anymore. I'll probably lose my friend. I went through all those disaster kind of fears. And then I thought, what if that's not the case? What if you don't? What if you can still laugh and enjoy each other? even though you're not drinking? What if you just plan for that? And so that's one thing I started doing is I'm gonna still have dinner with my friend, she can drink, I won't drink, and we're still gonna laugh. And it was totally easy. Yeah, One of the hardest situations for me was potlucks, where I would sort of wander around and eat everything and drink everything and uh, partly out of social anxiety and not feeling super comfortable talking to a lot of people. And so I would just prepare. I'm going to eat my nutritious food. I'm going to drink water and sparkling water. I brought stuff with me and I would have an intention. I'm going to connect with somebody. I'm going to make somebody's day. I'm going to go in there and make somebody's day. And so I had a mission and it kind of got me off the mission of I'm going to scrounge for the food and drink that I want. And so that really, really helped kind of having an approach, a plan, right?
1: I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I often tell people that if you can go into those social situations with like as much curiosity about other people as possible, yes. like, you know, go in and just make a commitment to yourself that you're going to find out 10 things about someone else, you know, yeah. and uh, you become really magnetic because people love yes. you heard and yes. especially when you can do it like in a genuinely you're not trying to get anything you're just really just trying to get to know somebody and i i even like that more like how can yeah. i make somebody's day like how can i really you know listen to someone who maybe doesn't have a lot of opportunity to be listened to or or something like that it's very cool
0: yeah and it's and it's something you can do because you're not drinking like when i was drinking i wasn't that present for other people I used, I remembered, I used to be someone who was a really good listener who people really liked talking to. And I felt like that had fallen away as I started drinking every night. Um, So it was back again, right? It was, it was me again, something I could enjoy and be proud of again.
1: That's so cool. That's great. That's really amazing. So, um, so then you you did you asked me lots of times you were one of the main reasons that I was like okay yeah like build this sort of really yeah there's a handful of of you uh, probably like eight or ten people who were just you asking know, you <laughs> asking for it and um and I was like okay I'm gonna figure this out and and yes you were one of the the first ever coaches to be certified and yeah. so how has has that been for you?
0: Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, I got to coach in the path program for different years. And um, some of the people I love the most in the world came out of those programs. Right now, I just had somebody reach out to me about the help that I give. And she said, I'm in the path right now. And it is the best program in the world. It's I just see people open up and become alive again, like I did. And Mm -hmm. God, what's better than that? You should be so so proud.
1: That's so awesome. I'm so glad to hear it. Can you talk a little bit more about, I know you do more than just alcohol coaching, you actually help with uh, food as well. So can you talk a little bit more about your approach there?
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I help pe- I help mostly women over 40, 50 and 60 with healthy eating and sustainable weight loss. The research out there says that 99% of the approaches out there are not working for sustainable weight loss and we'd be better off never dieting. Um, So that is heartbreaking to me. It's heartbreaking to me how many times I tried and it didn't work. And I just feel like women in this age group are so important to our communities, that I really want them to know the difference between what's truly healthy eating, how sustainable weight loss works and how it's completely different from dieting. So yeah, my, my program is called slender for good because it shouldn't be like, I work with a lot of people who did weight loss approaches that harmed their health, right. That harmed their metabolism. And that is heartbreaking to me. It does, does it's not the best way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember pretty much the one and only time I really went on a a diet. It was after my third kid. And I was like, Mm. okay. I'm going to get the weight off. Like I'm not having any more kids. And I was like, I'm just yeah. going to do this diet thing. And I did kind of a, um, a keto based thing, but I did not think about the fact that I was a woman and as women, we need different cycles of eating and different, you know, yeah. approaches and whatever. And yeah, I started losing my hair, my metabolism oh, God, really yeah, determined. and it was yeah. just, yeah. And then I was like, okay, never again. Like I am, you know, yeah is there were so many different times over the years where i'd anyway do things that it was yeah. it was just fascinating and i did also like look into the research of dieting and it's it's like every it, it really does feel so counterproductive not in the moment because we think this is going to be the one or this is going to be right. the thing. and over time
0: Uh, Yeah, I can see just even watching you on Facebook, how vibrant and alive you are, and that you're not doing dieting approaches is kind of apparent, even just looking at the aliveness in your face and your skin. There's a big difference. I get to see it all the time.
1: Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Love that. So let me ask you sort of the final two questions here, which is, first of all, where can where can people find you? Should they be interested in your coaching um, for alcohol, oh. weight, or both?
0: Yeah, slenderforgood.com. Yeah. Great. I also have a Facebook group. What's it called now? Um, Slender for Good Warriors, awesome. um, where I'm sharing a lot of free content and ideas that are hopefully thought-provoking.
1: Very cool. That's great. And, um, and so let me ask you the final question. Like if you were going to go back in time to, mm-hmm. you know, Ginny who felt really, really stuck and like life just wasn't going to be worth living or any good or any fun if um couldn't have this special food and drink and what would you tell her about what things are like now
0: you don't have to be scared things are things are awesome ahead of you it's not special food and drink that makes life special Mm -hmm. you know it's living that makes life special
1: i love that so great Well, this has just been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And it's just been great. Thank you so much. And I love you. (laughs) Thanks, Jenny. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how This Naked Mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious.